Bismillahirrahmanirrahim Alhamdulillahirrabbilalamin Wassalatu wassalamu ala ashrafil anbiya'i wal mursalin Nabiyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in Amma ba'd Assalamualaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh Allahumma anfa'na bima alamtana wa'allimna ma yanfa'una Warzuqna ilman tanfa'una bih Amin ya rabbal alamin Rabbi syrahli sadri wa yassirli amri Wahlul uqtatan min lisani yafqahu qawli Alhamdulillah, we continue tonight with the fiqh of salah. Um, we've completed last week the bab of shurut of salah, conditions of salah. We completed last week. And we said that there are how many shurut? There are six conditions of salah. Firstly is the, the niyyah. Your niyyah has to be there before you pray. Secondly, the waqt of salah has to be in. Thirdly, the aura has to be covered. Then... We have to face the Qibla and then we got the two types of Tahara. First is Tahara from Najasa, on the, from the body, clothing and the place of prayer. And the other type of Tahara is from ritual impurity, yani from Hadath. So a person has to be in a state of wudu, state of cleanliness wherein he can make Salah. That's the Shurut of Salah that we covered. Walhamdulillah. We move on to the next chapter tonight, which is Babu Sutratil Musalli. The Bab which deals with the Sutra of the Musalli. What is a Musalli? A person making Salah, right? And I'm, you know why I asked this question? Why am I asking this question? Why do I ask this question? What's a Musalli? Okay. Also, even I just said, bring the musallis. <laughs> okay, a musalli is a person who is making salah. He's in a state of salah. Tayyib. As for the sutra, what is a sutra? It is that which is placed in front of the musalli. It's something that is placed in front of a musalli to prevent others from walking in front of him. It is something that he puts in front of him. Huh? To prevent people from walking in front of him. Yani that they're supposed to walk behind the, the sutra. Behind the sutra. The word sutra comes from the word satara, which means to cover or to conceal. Understand? To cover up something or to, seal, or to conceal something. That's to do satara. Satr. Satr aura. Hadith speaks about you cover up the sins of a person. The aura of a person. Yeah, huh? There's a hadith that says whoever covers up the sins of his brother or the aura of his brother, Allah will cover up his faults and his aura and his sins. You understand? Man satara. Understand? A sutra is something that covers. That's the linguistic word meaning of it. Something that conceals. What does it conceal? The one making salah, the musalli, from people walking in front of him. Understand? So remember this word, learn the word a sutra. Learn the word, it is what? A sutra. A sutra. Some, sorry, sin ta, sin ta ra ta marbuta. Sutra. Sutra. Um, some ulama said, a sutra is that which is placed in front of the musalli to limit his gaze, not to go beyond the sutra. You understand? So you put the sutra there so that you don't look beyond it. You look just towards where the sutra is and that's it. 
Uh, you want me to keep your 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 gaze um, limited and fixed to that point, just behind the sutra, and that you don't look beyond it or to the left or to the or to the right. Okay. So a sutra, I feel in our communities, is something that is a sunnah mahjura. It is a sunnah that has been lost. Most people today in where we are situated, they don't know what a sutra even is. They don't know the importance of a sutra. They don't know that a sunnah is mustahab or it may even be wajib. Most people don't know this. Huh? In fact, if you went in front of a person making salah and you put a sutra there, <coughs> he might even become upset. He might even take it away. Or sometimes you are making salah and you put the sutra in front of yourself and people come and they take the sutra away. They think it's just laying there. They don't realize it's a sutra. You understand? So a sutra has become, in certain parts of the world, like here in Cape Town where we are, with the majority of the people, a sutra is a sunnah that is mahjura, mahjura, which is a sunnah that has been lost. It's a sunnah that has been it's lost. People don't, they don't even know it's a sunnah anymore. Understand? طيب. So we go through the ahadith in this chapter regarding the sutra. The first hadith narrated by Abi Juhayim ibn al-Harithi radiallahu anhu that he said, قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم لو يعلم المار بين يدي المصلي ماذا عليه من الإثم لكان أن يقف أربعين خيرا له من أن يمر بين يديه أخرج أو متفق عليه حديث بخاري مسلم and this is the wording of Bukhari what does the hadith say the hadith says that if the mar was the one who walks in front of a person making salah the one who passes by the one making salah the one who cuts in front of the musalli, if he knew what magnitude of sin this is that he, that he will get for doing this, how serious the sin is, how much sin will be upon him if he did this, if he what? If he cut the musalli, if he walks in front of him, he would have stood for 40, the hadith says for 40, or for him to have stood for 40 would have been better than him walking in front of the musalli. Understand what this is saying? The one that, that cuts the salah, that walks in front of the person making salah, that interrupts that person's salah, if he knew the sin that, was, that, that he would get because of this, he would rather prefer to, to stand there and wait until that man is done with the salah, even if it meant for 40. So the narrator says, I forgot what the Prophet said regarding the 40. I wasn't sure if he said 40 days, 40 months, or 40 years, etc. So he says, but I know he said 40. You understand? In another version of the hadith in Al-Bazzar, there's a musnad of Al-Bazzar, which is another compilation of hadith. It says, Arba'ina kharifan. 40 kharifs. You would stand there for 40 kharifs. Right? Which basically means a kharif is actually a season. Like autumn, summer, winter. It's a season. But Ibn Uthaymin means, he says what, what's meant by this part of the hadith is, by a full season it means a full year. He would stand there for 40 years, rather than walking in front of the musalli, if he knew the sin that he would get for walking in front of the musalli. So this hadith is in Bukhari and Muslim. Um, tayyib, walking in front of the musalli, yani, what is meant by this? Is it something close by, something far away? Right? Obviously, it's something that is close by. It is something that is 
close by. We don't mean you walk in front of the Mosandi and you're 15, 10, 10 meters away or 5 meters away. That's a big distance. Even, what, 3 meters or 4 meters in front of the Mosandi is, is a decent distance. Right? We mean that which is close to him, right in front of him. In front of his space where he's supposed to be making sada. That is his space. As a Mosadi, that is his space that, that has to be respected. That nobody is allowed to, to interrupt and to cut through that space. Um, and we'll explain a bit later on, you know, uh, uh, how long that space should be and so forth. Um, so we said he would have stood for 40, going to, although the narration is kind of weak, for 40 years. Right, for 40 years. And obviously this is Mubalagha, this is the Prophet being a, bit, a little bit excessive in what he is saying, just to prove a point. Because nobody is going to stand for 40 years or 40 months or 40 days even. Nobody is going, not, no person in Salah will even make Salah that long, obviously not. The point was to drive huh, the importance home, to, to show how serious that sin is. If this man knew the sin that he will get for breaking that person's Salah or interrupting that person's Salah, he would stand for that long. You would rather stand for that long. Understand? Even if it's not possible, the point is just to show how seriousness it is. Or how serious it is. Are you with me? That, that is the point of this wording. The wording is more there, tarheeban, to intimidate you, to, to show the person, look, this is how serious it is. It may not be possible, but this is truly how serious it is. This is intimidation to drive the point home. So some of the, the benefits of this hadith, firstly, we say it is haram. To cut in front of a person that's making salah. It is haram to cut in front. So meaning somebody is making salah, you're not allowed to walk in front of him. This is a sin. You will get punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Or rather we should say, you are sinful for this. In fact, some ulama will say it is from the, the major sins. Why do, we say, why do they say it could be from the major sins? Because if you look at the wording of the hadith, the intimidation and the threat in the hadith, he doesn't just say it's something wrong. He says you would, you would stand for 40, say 40 years if you knew how sinful you are. If you knew the magnitude of sin that you get for this. Some of said this can't be something minor. Therefore it's like a major sin to cut in front of a musalli purposefully. If a person didn't see him there or he forgot or he was uh, looking up in the sky and walking and he didn't know. That's something different, right? Obviously we mean you see he's making salah but you are hasty. So what do you do? You just walk in front of him. You just cut his salah off and you carry on. This is of course definitely a sin and Allah knows best. Um, the hadith also is very clear that, or, or rather the apparent meaning of the hadith is that there is no difference between someone who is making salah in a masjid or someone making salah at home or somebody making salah outside in some open area. There is no difference. The hadith doesn't mention anything specific. Understand? It just says the one who walks in front of a musalli. Wherever he's making salah, it doesn't make a, make a difference. Also, there is no difference between um, whether that person is making a nafil salah or a fard salah. If he's a musalli and he's making salah, you don't walk in front of him. Understand? Nafil, fard, there's no difference. Um, over here. Also, the hadith doesn't mention an imam or ma'moom. Right? We know it's a ma'moom. The imam is the leader. The ma'moom are those who are 
following him. Sa'ani behind the imam. The hadith doesn't mean, it just says a musalli. So according to this hadith, the wording of this hadith would include both of them, right? However, we know from other ahadith that this, if there's a jama'ah, if there's salatul jama'ah happening, then the sutra only applies to the, to the imam. The sutra only applies to the imam and the others do not have a sutra. Yani, they don't need a sutra. Are you with me? They don't need a sutra. So if people walk in front of them, then their salah is not invalidated or cut off. Understand? Because the sutra only applies to the, to the imam. This is if there is a jama'a salah. This is if there is a jama'a salah. So to walk in front of the imam is the problem. Right? Or if somebody is praying on, by himself, nafil salah. Right? Then it's a problem. Or somebody is praying fast by himself. Then you are not allowed to walk in front of them. If it's a jama'ah and you need to walk through, you are allowed to, to walk through because as long as you don't walk in front of the, the imam. Understand? So picture Makkah. People have to walk through the sufuf all the time to get to the other side, to get out the side. Right? There's no problem in this because the imam, nobody's walking in front of the imam. Understand? Even in the masjid, if there's a jama'ah in place and somebody breaks his wudu in front, do we say that he has to wait there before going to take wudu? Because he's going to interrupt the others. We say no, you are not breaking their salah or interrupting their salah. You are not going to walk in front of the imam. So you're allowed to walk out. Of course, you try not to push people and, and, and you, you, you get out as quick as possible without interrupting people's prayer, basically. But um, you are not breaking their salah or taking away from their salah because there's a need for this, and the sutra only applies to the, to the imam, and Allah knows best. What about the issue of Makkah, right? So some ulama said that um, the sutra doesn't apply in the haram of Makkah. The sutra does not apply in the haram of, of, of Makkah, right? Some ulama said this because... Um, there was a hadith of Rasulullah sallallahu was when he was making salah and some people in tawaf walked in front of him. Some people in tawaf, they crossed in front of him. So firstly, Ibn Uthaymin says, if this hadith is authentic, then we say to this what? That was for tawaf. They are in tawaf, meaning they have to continue walking. So that's something different. That's not like people outside of tawaf. You understand? And a person that makes salah on the mataf, this could happen to him. The mataf, you know, opens up a bit or it stretches a bit, becomes a bit bigger. They might have to walk in front of you if you are found to be making salah over there. Right? So we don't take this hadith and say, no, this does not apply in Makkah or in the haram of Makkah. Rather, the correct view is, it applies in the haram as well. The sutra issue applies in the haramain as well, in both harams as well. Understand? So let's say you're praying nafil salah. Or you see somebody praying sunnah salahs in the haram, you're not allowed to walk in front of them. You're not allowed to cross over their salah. Are you with me? Okay, so, um, the sutra does not apply in the haram of Makkah. That's, that's, that's a weak hadith. It's a hadith, but we say that was restricted. That, that was something specific that happened. Meaning, uh, that was because of the tawaf that was happening. You understand? But if you're making, let's say you're making in a different part of the haram, there are people who believe, and this is a few of certain scholars, 
that the sutra doesn't apply in the haram, which means wherever you make salah and people walk in front of you, it's, a, it's okay for them to do that. Right? We are saying this doesn't, this is not the correct view. Rather, we need to respect the musalli. So if he's making salah, we don't walk in front of him. The only time it's permissible is if he is the ma'moom, if there's a jama'ah, there's an imam, then you walk in front of the those behind him. If you need to, obviously if you can walk around, we say walk around. Don't disturb the people unnecessarily. You understand? But it's permissible to walk through the sufuf if there's a jama'ah. There's no jama'ah, it's not permissible to walk through the sufuf. Um, not sure what the for example, right, so we spoke about this before, yeah. last week or the week before, what did we say? A person who, 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 who doesn't think, we spoke about the issue of making salah in a pathway, correct? Yeah. We said we place it's not permissible to make salah, we mentioned the busy way, the busy pathway. So the same with the mataf, the same with in Mecca, you need to think there are certain places allocated for salah and there are, there are certain parts of the haram which are allocated as a, as a walkway to accommodate for all the traffic. So a person needs to think, hey, I don't make salah here, I gotta get onto the musalla, I gotta get onto the certain part which has been allocated for salah. You go make salah there. A person who makes salah on the pathway, huh, we say, la hurmata lahu. There is no respect given to him. Understand this. If you need to walk in front of him, you walk in front of him. Meaning, if, you, if everybody walks around him, or it becomes like a bottleneck situation, because this man is now blocked off the pathway, becomes problematic. You understand? In that case, there's no, if you, even if you pick him up and put him out of the pathway, that would be fine. Because him being there is actually a hazard. It's a, it's a danger, it's a risk. Especially if it's full. So, if a person makes salah there, we say there's no respect for him, you can walk in front of him, there's no sin upon you. Right? No, it doesn't override, definitely not. Because this person is not, he is the inconsiderate one. You understand? There are other places, you need to find a place for salah, but not in the part, not in the doorway. Remember, and I spoke, I gave some incidents what I experienced in the haram, and what happened to me, I was making salah in the mataf, taraweeh time. And as the mataf got bigger and bigger, I was still making salah there and uh, a security guard came and he pulled me out in the middle of the taraweeh, you know. But from my side, I can't blame him because that's a place of tawaf. And he knew it's going to get bigger and people are going to get out. Understand? So that, that is not included in this. We stick to what we said over there. That is still correct. A person needs to think where he makes salah. If he's not thoughtful and he makes salah in this doorway and people need to come in, then there's no respect given to him. You understand? And Allah knows best. Uh, where were we? Uh, did I stop? We are speaking about the issue of Makkah, correct? The issue of the Haram. So we say that the issue of the Sutra applies in the Haramain as well. If you're making Sunnah, try and place a Sutra in front of you. Try and make Salah behind a pillar. Try and make Salah behind something that is in front of you that, that, that will protect you. Yani as a Musalli, 
people can see you are making salah towards this thing so they don't cut in front of you. You understand? They don't cut in front of you. This is something you need to think about before you make salah to protect yourself as a musalli. And it applies within the haramain as well. This is what we are saying and Allah knows best. Um, this hadith in Bukhari, in Bukhari, Imam al-Bukhari rahimahullah, al-Bukhari rahimahullah, the chapter that he put this hadith in is called Babu Sutra bi Makati wa Ghayriha. The chapter in Bukhari where this hadith is found is the chapter of a sutra in Makkah and other than Makkah. As if Bukhari was trying to point and make it clear that it applies in Makkah as well. And not just outside of Makkah or outside of the Haramain. Rather, it applies there as well and Allah knows best. Um, the next hadith from Aisha radiallahu anha where she said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was asked في غزوة تبوك عن سترة المصلي In the Ghazwa of Tabuk, the battle of Tabuk, he was asked about the sutra of a musalli. And he said, مثل مؤخرة الرحل أخرجه مسلم. Um, he said about the, the sutra, it is like the back of a saddle. It's like the back of the, of the saddle or of a saddle. Huh? So he was asked specifically about this, about the, about the sutra. يعني, how does it look? How should it be tall, long, flat, wide? He was basically asked about the description of the of the Musa, of the sutra, and he said, like mukhiratil rahli. Mukhiratil rahli is the back of a saddle. What is a saddle? The horse's saddle, right? You jump on top of a horse or a camel. You put a saddle on top where the rider will sit on, and it gives him something to kind of lean on, right? Gives him a little bit of a back support, like a little board at the back. This is also, this is the type of saddle we're talking about. Maybe you get different saddles with just one foot over where you just sit down. We are talking about one where there is a, behind the back, there is like a backrest. And this is like something which is basically upright, right? With something which is upright, which you can lean upon, okay? So if you were to imagine how big it is, right? Ibn Uthaymin says it's about three cubits long, three arms length long. So take your elbow to your tip, tips of your fingers, this times three, right? How long is that? Meter. Times by three is a meter, approximately, right? So that's about in the height of it, right? In, in height, you're looking at something that's a meter high, approximately one meter high, three cubits, okay? In terms of width, it would be much less than that, right? A saddle, you're looking at the width of a body generally, a person's, you know, what's that, half a meter maybe? Approximately, right? Allah it would differ, right? This is the description of a sutra. Or rather, should we say, of a complete, perfect sutra. Not a perfect sutra, but... Uh, what's intended by a sutra. The best type of sutra, this is what you're looking for. Something that is standing upright, that's about three cubits high, looking at about a meter high, and that's about the width of a, about a half a meter to a meter. Not even a meter, right? That is the description given by the Prasalam of a sutra, the back of a saddle. This is generally the size, estimated size of the sutra as he mentioned. 
benefits of the hadith, we find that the Sahaba once again were very, very eager to learn. They asked the Prophet about everything. And here they went to him and asked him about the sutra. And Ibn Uthaymin mentioned something important. He says, they, were not, they did not ask him, you know, for any reason except that they wanted to learn and act, they acted upon their knowledge. You know, whereas today people ask questions and they don't act. Or they ask questions until they are pleased. Meaning, they'll come to me for fatwa and they're not happy and they go to the next person for fatwa and, and, then, and that's what they call sh- fatwa shopping, right? And this is what happens. The Sahaba were not like this. They asked the question, what they got, they took, and they acted upon that. And this is obviously something we should strive for. You know, strive, this is the way of the believer. We hear and we, and we obey. Um, Ibn Uthaymin says, secondly, that the sutra was something established among the Sahaba. Because somebody came and they asked him specifically about the sutra, which means it was something that was already being used. It was already known among them. This person then came to ask, but how should the sutra be? What's the best way the sutra should be? Which means it was already being used. It was already known amongst them. Are you with me? But this person then came and said, but how should that sutra be? If we are making sarah to a sutra, what's the best way the sutra should be? And the Prasam said, like the back of a saddle. Like the back of a saddle, meaning in that type of size, basically. Um, and as we said, this is a sutra that, that's kamila. This is a sutra that is kamila, meaning this is the complete type of sutra that you can have. Something that's about that high and that wide. And it's standing up. It's upright. It's not flat on the ground. It's something that is upright. Um, Ibn Uthaymin then says, if somebody were to ask or say, what is the benefit of having a sutra? What's the benefit? What can we think of? What's the benefit of having a sutra in front of you? Okay, Mumtaz, it prevents people from walking in front of you. That's the main benefit. It stops, it's like a protection for the musalli. Right? That people don't break your salah, don't interrupt your thaw. So you put something there to make sure people can, they're supposed to know. That's the thing. People are supposed to know. If I put this flask in front of me now, that's a sutra. Don't come pick the flask up and put it on the table. You understand? No, it's there, it's a sutra. If you want to pass by, walk around the sutra. Walk around the flask. Are you with me? So it's a protection firstly. Secondly, what's the other thing we said? Gaze. Your gaze. It limits your gaze. Right? It limits your gaze that you know that's your way the sutra is. And where do you place the sutra? You don't place the sutra far in front of you. You place it just behind your head where you're going to make sajda. You understand? So you can kind of... Um, I mean, we should know by now more or less where our head's going to go. We can obviously judge. So you know more or less, okay, that's where my head generally goes. You put the sutra just behind that. So when you're standing in salah, you are, you are, your gaze is fixed to just below the sutra. And that kind of limits your gaze. So that's a benefit from that angle as well. Thirdly, the sheikh says, um, it also gives a person this feeling of ease. That people's not going to walk in front of me. You know, it gives you that feeling of ease as well. Because you know there's a sutra and you don't generally have to worry about those around you. But if you make salah in the middle of a masjid, like most people do, when they make sunnah, they get up, they go to the back and they pray anyway. Right? When they do this, at any time, you know, somebody can walk past you because there's nothing in front of you. 
There's nothing that limits your gaze. There's nothing that protects you in terms of a sutra. So in that case, the person making salah should always be on God. But people walking around him because he's making salah standing in the middle of, of the masjid. You understand? Whereas if you have a sutra, it's like you feel, okay, alhamdulillah, that's there. No one will walk in front of me now because, you understand? It's clear. It's known. And so forth. Um... So we learn from that hadith the size of the sutra or the size of a of a, of a, a proper size uh, sutra, right? The next hadith is from Sabrat ibn Ma'bad al Juhani radiallahu anhu that he said, "Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam, liyastatir ahadukum fi salatihi walau bisahmin akhrajahu al-hakim." Liyastatir, he says that one of you should take have a shut a sutra that one of you takes a sutra. Huh? And this is a command from the Prophet He should take a sutra. He must take a sutra. Even if it is with a, an arrow. Even if it's an arrow that you put there. But it must be put there. You understand? Um, and an arrow is obviously something small. Something, you know, thin. You put there. He says, even if you need to do that, you should do that. Right? So what's the benefits of this hadith? Firstly, this is a command and instruction from the Prophet A command and an instruction. And what is the general rule when it comes to commandments? You have to obey, fair enough. I'm looking for a different answer. If something is commanded by the Quran or Sunnah, what is that thing? What is the ruling on that thing? That's the ruling. I'm asking about the ruling. What's the ruling? There are five rulings in the Sharia. What's the ruling? What, which, which one does it take? It's fard, right? If something is commanded by Allah or the Messenger, the ruling is fard or wajib, right? Unless there is evidence to, to show that this issue is not actually found, it's actually mustahab, it's actually recommended. Are you with me? That's a principle. That usually if something is commanded or instructed, it means that thing is wajib. Unless there is additional evidence to prove that this issue is not actually found, it's only, or it's rather it's just below that which is recommended. Which means if you don't take a sutra, there's no punishment or no sin upon you. But if we say it's wajib and you don't have a sutra, then you are sinful for that. You see the difference? There's a, there's a big difference between the two. And this brings the issue here. Is the sutra wajib or not? So we are speaking now about the, the ruling on a sutra. What is the ruling on using a sutra? Some ulama said it's mustahab, it's recommended. You do it, there's reward. If you don't do it, there's no sin. It's like a sunnah. Other ulama said it's fard. If you do it, you get rewarded. If you don't do it, you get sin for it. Are you with me? So, for example, this hadith is a liyastatir is a commandment from the Prophet Instruction from the Prophet If you don't, meaning if you don't do it, you are sinful. You are going against the commandments of the of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Are you with me? Ibn Uthaymin, firstly, he says our job is not actually to ask. He says fard sunnah. What's our job? Our, 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 our job is Sami'na wa ata'na. 
The Prophet instructed it. Sami'na wa ta'na. Use the sutra. At every time you make salah, you have a sutra. Understand? But we have to look at the ruling as well. That's the first issue. We're going to yearn by where they found the sunnah, we're going to do it. Right? But a person who doesn't do it means he has to make tawbah. It means he has to ask Allah for forgiveness and so forth. So we have to look at the mas'ala and try to get to the bottom of it and try to get to the correct view. The majority of ulama, they say that the, that the sutra is mustahab. Majority of the ulama say that the sutra is mustahab and not wajib. And there are other ulama who say that it is fard and wajib. I believe even uh, Sheikh Al-Albani, rahimahullah, Sheikh Al-Albani says that it is fard and wajib. Other ulama, like Ibn Uthaymin, and like Al-Fawzan and many others, the majority view is that it is not fard and not wajib. Why do they say it's not fard? Remember we see there's a command here. So now what did I say? We need evidence to, to change the ruling from fard to, to, to mustahab. Remember, if it's a command, then it's fard. If we say it's mustahab, there must be an evidence that dictates that. There must be an evidence that diverts us away from the ruling of wajib to that of mustahab. What's the evidence? They say that, and we're going to get to this hadith later on, the Prophet said, إِذَا صَلَّى أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَىٰ شَيْءٍ يَسْتُرُهُ مِنَ النَّاسِ If one of you, if, if one of you makes salah towards a sutra that, that is protecting him from the people, and then the hadith goes on. What is the point here? The hadith is, إِذَا صَلَّى If one of you makes salah towards a sutra, if one of you makes salah towards meaning, if you do, we don't, uh, there's leeway. Al-amr wasi'. You understand? This is, the, this is how they use this hadith. That if you do, then there's certain rulings that come into play. Huh? But if you don't, then there's other rulings that come into play. Meaning it's not fard. Are you with me? That's one evidence that they use. We're going to discuss that, that hadith later on. Another evidence that they use is that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa he was making salah in Mina and Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhuma came riding on a, on a himar, on a donkey. And the Prophet sallallahu was making salah ila ghayri jidarin. This hadith is in Bukhari where Abdullah ibn Abbas says that the Prophet sallallahu was making salah ila ghayri jidar. What's a jidar? is actually a wall. He was not making salah in front of a wall, he says. What, what does this mean? Firstly, Ibn Uthaymi says, at that time, there was no walls in Mina. Mina was just open land, there was just tents that were put up, etc. So there was no walls. So what was, his, what was he actually alluding to? He was not making salah towards a sutra. What he means by wall here is a, a sutra. There was nothing in front of him. And Abdullah ibn Abbas came riding into, um, into Mina. So what he trying to say is, there was nothing in front of the Prophet when he was making Salah. This is what he was trying to say. Which means it's not part it is. Rather we say it is now therefore mustahab. It is recommended. It is recommended. Understand? And this is the view of majority of ulama as we said. This doesn't mean that you can neglect the, the sutra. This doesn't mean that it's not a big deal. It is very important to have a sutra. Remember the Prophet encouraged it severely. And he gave reward for it. And he spoke up. He instructed it. Commanded it. Understand? And there are ulama who say that it is wajib. So whenever you make salah from this day onwards, make sure you have a sutra in front of you. 
put something there. If it's not as big as the saddle as we described, put something small there. We're going to get to, you know, the, 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 we're going to get to what else you can put. But make sure you act upon the, the sutra. Don't be of those who take the sutra lightly. It became something that has been lost in the ummah. As I said, most people don't even know what's a sutra. Even the people who make salah in the masjid every day, they don't know what's a sutra. Because the sunnah has been lost. You understand? We need to give life to the sunnah. Teach people the sunnah. That should be our goal in life. To firstly learn it, act upon it, and then teach others. Did you know it's a great sunnah if you make salah behind the sutra? This is a sutra. It's just something you put in front of you. Plus, it protects you. No one can in front of you. Limit your gaze. Alhamdulillah. So many hadith about it, you know? Just teach people. Simple. But you taught somebody a sunnah. Whenever they make salah behind that sutra, you will get reward. And whoever they teach, you will get reward. Whoever learns it from them, copies them, you will get reward. So to teach the sunnah is something amazing and something huge. And firstly, it requires us to act upon the sunnah. To, to enact the sunnah, and then we can convey the sunnah to others, inshallah. Um, yes, that's an intention of ours, inshallah. When we, when we build a mind, we can, we can have these things made and it can stand on the side and people can just take one and pray towards it. You know, when you're making the sunnah, for example, and so forth. That's definitely something that, that is a way to give life to the sunnah and to the sutra issue. That, that's definitely something that we have in, in planned, inshallah. Hmm? Yes, yes. I mean, that's very far. Yeah, we will. We look at something, inshallah. We can come up with something. Um, Tayyib, this hadith also proves that the sutra is for every musalli. Whether it's fard salah, nafal salah, whether he is the imam, whether he's making salah on his own, or it's in jama'ah. This is what the hadith says. But as we explained earlier, there are exceptions. The exception is for who? The ma'moom. The ma'moom, the one who's praying behind the imam, the exception is for him. Understand? This is what we explained. The, the, the sutra of the ma'moom is the imam. The sutra of the ma'moom is the imam, and he has his sutra in front of him. Okay? Just remember that. Question. If the ma'moom is masbuq, what does this mean? He's of those who came late. Right? He's come late. The imam makes taslim, he's done. Then the ma'moom stands up and he needs to complete two or three raka'at. Right? Or one or two raka'at. Okay? What does he do? In this case, you find what some people do is they step aside or they walk to the front to make sure that there's like a wall or a pillar in front of them so that they have a, a sutra. You understand? Because now they are out of the salah. And now they take a step forward or a step to the side or they do something to make sure that there is a, a sutra in front of them. Right? Do we do this? Is this required? Should we do this? What's the issue? Right? The issue is firstly, moving in salah is not allowed. Right? We spoke about this last week. Some movements is wajib, some movements is fard, uh, sunnah, mustahab, some movements is permissible, some movements is makru, some is haram. We gave the examples. Is this, what is this movement here? Huh? What is this movement here? What's the fard? 
the sutra, we said it's a sunnah, we said it's mustahab. Right? We didn't say it's a fard, we said that's a view of certain ulama. But we said it's more likely to be a mustahab view, and Allah knows best. Um, it's a movement, that's the issue. You know, is it required? I would say it depends on the situation. It depends on the situation. You know, if, for example, you are blocking people from coming out, and it takes a small step to the side so people can, space can be made for them to walk out, then perhaps it's a recommended movement. Or a step forward, it's a recommended movement. You understand? But just to step towards the wall, Ibn Uthaymin says, should not be done. Uh, we don't know, even know if it's permissible to do that, that movement. Man. Is there any proof for that movement to be permissible or not? This is the question he, he's raising here. So he says, in that case, what's best is not to worry about the sutra, to stand up wherever you are, complete your salah. Make up the misraka'at and complete the, the salah. You understand? So, you stand up. If people want to walk past you, allowed to block them if you want to walk past you you block them right because you are still in the state of salah so you make it clear and you block them off as i said if there's need for you to just move slightly so people can to make a pathway if you know that there's a pathway that can be opened in that case you make a slight movement allah knows best right this proves that the, the sutra can be something big or small the saddle issue is a big issue if this one speaks about a, an arrow, which is something small, which means there can be a small, much smaller sutra that can be used, um, this is possible. But what's better? What's better? The arrow or the saddle? The arrow is better. No, no, the Prophet made the example. No, when he was asked about the sutra, he said, it must be like the saddle. Meaning that size, that type of, that type of sutra. Where did this, this, the where did the saham come from? Where did this arrow come from? He said you should take a sutra even if it's an arrow. And if you don't have a saddle, if you don't have something that big, if it's just an arrow you have, use that. So even if it's something small and thin, right? But the point here is what? The other one is better. That's preferred. That, that's, that's, a, that's a better option. You understand? What about taking people as a sutra? So, like sunnah for example, people, they scatter in the masjid, they all make the sunnahs, different places. You see a man, and it's a masjid, you know, if I use Mount View Masjid for example, there's little to no pillars in the masjid. It's completely open, no pillars. So you can't go stand behind the pillar and make, and use that as your sutra. You've got to find something else, you understand? Um, so in the Sunnah, Salahs, people scatter, they all make Salah in the middle of the Masjid, nobody has a Sutra. An option a person then has is he goes to stand behind someone and use him as your Sutra. So you make Salah right behind him basically. You understand? This is permissible and some of the Salaf used to do this. The only issue with this is you don't know if he might be done quickly or he might leave and then you are left without a Sutra. You understand? Or he might even, uh, his movements might even disturb you, possibly. Allah knows best. The point is, it's not preferred, 
but it is permissible. If there's no nothing else, like I said, like Mount View, for example, there's very little sutras, right? Unless you go on the sides there, you might get a pillow too, you know. But otherwise, if you stood behind somebody and you used him as a sutra, then this is not a problem. It's better than praying out in the middle of the masjid, right? But you have to keep your wits about it. The next hadith from Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, he said, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ يَقْطَعُ صَلَاةَ الرَّجُلِ رَجُلِ الْمُسْلِمِ إِذَا لَمْ يَكُنْ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ مِثْلُ مُؤْخِرَةِ الرَّحْلِ الْمَرْأَةُ وَالْحِمَارُ وَالْكَلْبُ الْأَسْوَدُ الْحَدِيثِ وَفِيهِ الْكَلْبُ الْأَسْوَدُ شَيْطَانٌ أَخْرَجَهُ مُسْلِمٌ وَلَهُ عَنْ أَبِي هُرَيْرَةَ نَحْوُهُ دُونَ الْكَلْبِ طَيِّبٌ What does this hadith say? The hadith says يَقْطَعُ صَلَاةَ الرَّجُلِ الْمُسْلِمِ The Muslim man who makes salah his salah may be broken if he does not have in front of him a sutra basically which is like the back of a saddle it is broken if he doesn't have it and a woman an adult grown woman and a, or a donkey or a black dog walks in front of him then his salah is is, is broken it's is broken. In another narration in Muslim it says Al-Kalbu Shaytan. The black dog is a shaitan. The black dog is a shaitan. Okay. So firstly the hadith says if there is no sutra in front of him. If there is no sutra in front of him. And again, what did we say? What's meant by in front of him? That which is close to him. Right? Something that is near to him. Okay, so he should have a sutra. If there's no sutra, and a wood, a woman, or a donkey, or a black dog walks in front of him, the hadith says it breaks the salah. Only those three. Only those three. Right? And it refers to a, an adult woman, meaning a woman that is baligha. She is mukallaf. Okay? Not a young girl or a small baby or a small girl. So a black dog, which means the dog's white or brown or yellow or spotty or any other color, it does not break the, does not break the salah. And it also says because the black dog is a shaitan. The black dog is a, a shaitan. A full black dog? Or just a full black dog, yes. It's not considered as full black. Some ulama said if there's some white on the top of the eyes, it doesn't count, it's considered as black. But generally what we're speaking about is a, a full black dog. A full black dog. And he was asked about what, what's the difference, yani, why a black dog compared to a, a brown or a yellow or you know any other color, a white dog. And the Prophet said, this is when he said, the black dog is the shaitan. Which means it could be that he is, uh, he just looks like a dog, but it's actually a, a, a jinn or shaitan. It could mean that out of, the, out of the dogs, that is the shayateen of dogs. Like in, you have shayateen of men, you have shayateen of jinn. This is like the shayateen of dogs. It comes in a, the form of a full black dog. That's another, in what could, what it could mean basically. Allahu A'lam what it means. Another meaning could be that the black dog is the worst type of dog. It's the most harmful and the most evil type of dog. 
Allah alam exactly what it means, but we accept that it is the meaning of the hadith, yes? A full black dog. Any full black dog. Some of them have brown underneath, for example, and, you know, different. Um, benefits of this hadith is that these three, they break the salah. These three, they break the salah, whether it's a sunnah or a fad salah, whether, you know, it's the imam or the ma'moom or the, sorry, those who are praying alone, right? These three, they break the salah. Then there's an issue. What if one of these three, like a woman, for example, she walks in front of the, the musalli and she's unaware, she, was, she didn't realize, right? She just walked past it only afterwards she saw and so forth. Does it still break the? Does it still break? There's difference of opinion, but some would say it still breaks, yes. Some would say it still breaks because um, we are actually talking about the, what they do and not what the musalli does and so forth. So Allah alam. Safer would be to, to repeat the salah. Another issue is if one of these three walks in front of the Imam. So there's a jama'ah, and one of these three they walk in front of the Imam. Does it break the entire jama'ah salah or only that of the Imam? Imam only. Ibn Uthaymi says this is the only time. That when the Imam Salah is broken, the entire Jama'ah Salah is broken. This is the only time. So if he breaks his wudu, his Salah is broken, the rest they carry on. Huh? If he realizes that there's nudges on my clothing while he's making Salah, he can break his Salah while the rest carry, carry on. But this is the only time if the Imam Salah is broken, the whole Jama'ah Salah is broken. Why? Because... He is their sutra. So they're all sharing in one sutra. You understand? The issue here of them walking in front is the issue of a sutra. And there is one sutra and that's the sutra of the imam. You understand? So if that sutra is broken, it breaks for all of them. It breaks for, for all of them. But if it's issue of wudu, that's an individual thing. The imam has their own wudu. doesn't carry the wudu of the people. You understand? And so forth. So this is an issue that is shared. The issue of the sutra is shared between the imam and the ma'moom. And for that reason, if some one of these three walk in front of the imam, the whole jama'ah salah is broken and not only the imam. Here also we see the benefit of having sutra can protect you from one of these three breaking your salah. Right? One of these three breaking your salah. If a person doesn't have a, mus- a sutra, right? So you're just making salah and one of these three come past, right? But they walk behind your place of sujood, which you think is your place of sujood, they just walk behind that, just, just behind it. Then what's the ruling on this? Right? What is the ruling on this? Yes. It's broken. Okay. Okay. So Ibn Uthaymin says that 
if you have a musalla like a like a sajada uh, what we call a musalla prayer mat actually the correct term is actually a sajada sajada not a musalla a musalla means the area of prayer right but if you have a musalla a place a place where you your spot of salah right you know this is your spot of salah um and they come in this prayer area then your salah is batil right it's broken but if you don't have a prayer area then whatever they whatever they go in, in yani you have your place of sujood right if they walk in front of that place of sujood and it's clearly marked that this is your place of sujood like you have a prayer mat for example then inshallah this does not break the salah because they are not they're not basically cutting your area of salah they're not breaking your your your, your spot of salah the problem is maybe there's no sajada you're just making salah and they just walk you know in that case it's a bit of a problem but if it's clearly marked this is your musalla right this is your sajada and they walk around the sajada in that case we say it doesn't break the the salah but there is yani that becomes disturbing for you you know and that's why the that's where the sutra becomes a protection for the for the prayer for the musalli that's where it benefits the musalli it's less of a disturbance and also less of a, a worry yani where did they walk you know if they, you know they walk behind the sutra no problem but if there's no sutra we see the problem that can that, that can creep in over here we're gonna get there right so Ibn Uthaymin says in the haram they have tiles like the big slabs of marble that is for a musalli you know it's facing the qibla it's like a block for your for your salah if that if if you that is your musalla like like your musalla and they walk in front of that tile after the line of the tile he says then it doesn't break you understand just like the issue of the sajada or the musalla understand I'm a bit confused for example um, when, when you know, we've discussed it but okay now this issue is confusing me the reason is um, in the haram right um, you'll find um, um, imamish um, what it is okay no 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 okay that's fine because um, as long as they don't walk in front of the imam if it's jama'ah, the, jama'a. the sutra is only for the imam. Remember, yes. we, we, we speak yes. about yes. this, we are only speaking about yes. you making individual salah. Okay, no, and I said, individual salah, fardu sunnah, but it's individual. With jama'ah, it's different. Yes. It applies only to the imam. To the imam. Okay? Um, so we say that if there's a, and if it's clearly marked off, you know, like, like the tiles are marked in the haram, or you have a sajada, and they walk in front of that, Inshallah, they never broke your salah, they never cut in front of you, so your salah is still valid. If there's no marking and they walk, it becomes a bit of a problem, you know, like. But if you are if you are confident it was in front, no problem. If you are not so confident, or you feel it could have cut, then it's best to repeat the salah. Allah knows best. Another benefit of this hadith is a young girl, or a small girl, baby, and so forth, who is not mukallaf yet, does not break the salah if she walks in front of the, of the, uh, 
um, salah. Then we have an issue. Aisha radiallahu anha, she did not accept, well, she did not accept the narration, but she basically had a slight problem with the narration. Initially, she said that you've likened us to a dog and to a, a donkey. Because the hadith mentions a woman, donkey and a dog. And she says that I used to spend the night, you know, with the Prophet laying with him and so forth, right in front of him, right next to him. And I used to lay next to him when he used to make salah. You understand? Or in front of him when he used to make salah. So he used to make salah and she used to lay in front. Well, that was her bed. That was the, the place was very small and so forth. What? Now what? You know, firstly, if it's a hadith, we take it over the words of Aisha radiallahu anha. No matter what status an imam has, a sahabi has, we contradicts the authentic hadith, we take the authentic hadith. You understand? No matter which sahabi, if it contradicts a hadith, we take the hadith. Understand? Secondly, she, in this example, she gave the example of laying there. Not somebody walking in front of the Musalli. So there's a slight difference even the says, and for that reason we don't accept this. We accept what the hadith says in terms of its wording. <coughs> then the issue is why a woman? We can understand with a donkey it can come and disturb you, it can pray. And and this hadith that says when the donkeys pray, you should seek refuge in shaitan because it's so a devil. The black dog we know is a shaitan. So if it comes in front of you, we understand breaks the why a woman? Are we saying that the women are like those two animals? Of course not. Right? Why a woman? The hadith is addressing men. If the beginning of the hadith says, if a Muslim man makes salah, huh? and the woman walks in front of him. So, the, the issue is here what? That woman is just like a fitna to men. The Prophet said in the hadith, the biggest fitna I left for the men of the ummah is woman. is nisa. You understand? So a woman walks in front of you, it becomes a fitna. It can become a fitna. You understand? So for that reason, this is, this is one of the reasons ulama derived from this hadith. Derived from the hadith. Meaning it's not stated that that's the reason. It's not mentioned that that's the reason. This is the, an, an opinion. This could be why. You understand? But ultimately, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا The Prophet said it, we accept it, we obey that's what it comes down to. You understand? That's what Islam is, a deen of submission. Could be a reason, the issue of fitna. Could be. So, makes sense. But at the end of the day, even if you feel there's no fitna, you still act upon the hadith because that's what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. You understand? That's what it, in reality we don't need a reason. The reason is that he said it. End of discussion. You understand? When Aisha anha was asked about the woman that has a hayd, why do they make up their fasts but they don't make up the salah? A woman that has hayd has to make up the misfasts of Ramadan. But she doesn't make up all the misfasts of all the mis, missed salah. Why? Salah is more important than fasting. What's the difference? Why? Why is this the ruling? What did she say? We were instructed to make up this fasting and we're not instructed to make up the salah. In the discussion. Yeah, Aisha, why must we make up the fast but we don't make up the salah? She said, we were taught and instructed to make up the salah, the fasting, 
and not to make up the salah. You don't need to know why. Sometimes we know why, sometimes we don't know why. Sometimes some people know why and others don't know why. Ala kulli hal sami'na wa ata'na. That's the best believer. You understand? So some people will have a problem with this hadith. Definitely they were going to have an issue with us. The feminists, as we spoke about, are not going to accept this hadith. You know? We are not saying this, what they are claiming that we are saying. But we say what the person said. And that's the end of it. You know? That's the end of it. If you want one possible reason, it could be the issue of fitna. That's a possible reason. But Allah knows truly, Allah knows best as to um, the real reason um, why. طيب. The next hadith from Abu Dawood, oh sorry, Wali Abu, yes, Wali Abu, Abu Dawood al-Nasai, Ali ibn Abbas, Allah anhuma, Nahbuhu, Duna akhirihi, Waqayyad al-Mar'ata, Bilha'idi. But the hadith is, I believe the hadith is weak. Is this the hadith that I was thinking about? طيب. Anyways, this hadith, Abu Dawood al-Nasai narrates that Ibn Abbas, Allah anhuma, mentioned a similar issue. Except that he did not mention the ending and he uh, mentioned that the woman has to be menstruating. Menstruating woman. That the menstruating woman breaks the salah. Right? What does this mean? It could mean two things. It could mean that she's currently menstruating. She has a hayd. Or it could mean that she's an adult. She has menstruated before. She's baligha. She's mukallaf. Understand? And this is actually what's meant by the hadith. Not that she's in a state of menstruation. And Allah knows best. Right? So we know that you attain menstru- you attain puberty by menstruation. One of the ways women attain puberty is by menstruation. The other way is that you reach the age of fifteen. Also how else do you become mukallaf? Here, okay, in the in the private regions, or a uh, money that you release money, right? That you release money. And I hope we still know what money is from the Kitab al-Tahara uh, teachings. The next hadith is from Abu Sa'id al-Khudri anhu. He said, "Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam." إذا صلى أحدكم إلى شيء يستره من الناس. Here's the hadith we said earlier. I'm going to explain. فأراد أحد أن يجتاز بين يديه فليدفعه فإن أبى فليقاتله فإنما هو شيطان متفق عليه وفي رواية فإن معه القرين. The hadith says if one of you are making salah towards something towards something that is covering you from the people. يعني sutra covering you from the people and somebody wants to walk past you or in front of you فَلْيَدْفَعُهُ then you should push him away فَإِنْ أَبَى and if he resists فَلْيُقَاتِلْهُ then you should fight him فَإِنَّمَا هُوَ شَيْطَانُ for he is only but a shaitan حديث بخاري المسلم in another hadith فَإِنَّ مَعَهُ الْقَرِينُ with him is a qareen with him is a is the qareen طيب so, if one of you is making salah, right, whether it's a male or female, big or small, you're making salah, somebody wants to walk in front of you, 
What must you do? Push him away. What this means is, you know, you put your hand out and you you just basically slightly shove him to the back. Or you can just put your hand out and stop him. So that he can see you are making salah. Sometimes people walk, they don't realize you're in salah. And you immediately, as you see him coming, so you don't wait till he's passed and then you pull him and pu- pull him backwards. Huh? You s- if you see him coming, you put your arm out immediately. You understand? You don't wait till he's in front of you and then you grab him and throw him backwards. Or wait till he's past you and then you pull him back past you. No. If you see him approaching, you put your arm out. This is, this is a permissible movement. It could even be a fard movement of the salah. We're going to get there. So he comes, you block him off. Right? You are allowed to maybe put out, put out your hand and just, you know, lightly just block him off. Okay? Fa'in Abba. If he desists, or he resists, meaning you put your hand there and he pushes you out the way, or he tries to force his way through, then Fal who the hadith says, fight him. Fight him. Fal yuqatil. Qatil means to fight. What does this mean? Punch him. Knock him out. Pick up your sutra and hit him over the head. Huh? What does it mean? It means push him away with force. If, he's, if, he, if he doesn't want to stop or he's coming, he's still coming through, you can shove him. You understand? You actually push him away. You know? Doesn't mean you strike him. Doesn't mean you kill him. Sorry? With one hand, with the same hand. With the same hand. Right? You push him, you, you just be a bit more forceful. That's basically what it means. You just show a little bit more force and strength. Initially, you just put your hand there. Right? But if he still comes through, he tries to push your hand away, you can push back. In the sara, Which means you can shove him even harder away. Right? And obviously, this doesn't mean fight as in a physical fight. Like we normally understand to mean fight. It means... Fight him away. And you just push him away harder, with a bit more firmly. Okay? And if he... It's because he's a shaitan. He's a shaitan for doing this. It doesn't mean that he's a devil necessarily. What he's doing is the actions of shaitan. What he's doing is the actions of shaitan. Because he's trying, he wants to force his way through. He could break your salah, he could nullify your... He could disrupt your entire salah. He pushes you away through, now you end up angry. You know, now you're really disturbed. This is what the shaitan wants. This is exactly what the shaitan is using him. Manipulating him to disturb people's salah. You understand? So what he's doing is the work of shaitan without a doubt. Right? In another narration we said, فَإِنَّ مَعَهُ الْقَرِينَ You know what's a qareen? Do we know what's a qareen? Um, a qareen is something that every person has with him. Every person has this a qareen with him, which is a jinn that's basically with him. You understand? So this is the qareen that gives you evil whispers. Huh? Tells you to do this, that. So the hadith is with him is the qareen, meaning the qareen is overpowering him. His qareen is overpowering him. They ask, Ya Rasulullah, do you also have a qareen? He said, yes, I also have a qareen. But I overpowered him and he became Muslim. This is for Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi His qareen became Muslim. So he only, he had nobody to tell him to do bad. No jinn to tell him to do any evil. Because his jinn, his qareen, 
you know, was overpowered by the Iman of the Prophet ﷺ, and he became Muslim. You understand? But every other person has a Qareen that, that incites you to do bad. That, that, and the, the weaker your Iman, the more strong the Qareen becomes. You understand? In this case here, yeah, this person, the Hadith says, he has with him the Qareen, meaning the Qareen is strong with him. It's overpowering him. Are you with me? Benefits of the hadith. Right? This is the hadith we mentioned that some ulama used to prove that the sutra is not wajib. Because it says, إِذَا صَلَّ أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَىٰ شَيْءٍ يَسْتُرُهُ مِنَ النَّاسِ If one of you prays towards something that covers him from the people. Uh, if one of you prays. Meaning it's like something that's optional. You understand? And for that reason some ulama said it's not fard, it is uh, recommended. Um, this also shows us the fa'idah of a sutra. This shows us the benefit of, of having a, a sutra. So people can see, they're not going to break your salah, they walk around the sutra. It can protect you from this whole issue, you know, most of the time. If people have some knowledge, they see a sutra, they see, they walk around. Um, thirdly, that it's wajib that you push the person away. If this person wants to walk in front of you, you push him away. But it starts with a slight light push, a light, just a, a little block. Um, if he resists, you push him away even harder, right? Even harder, even more firm. Okay? Is this for the fard or the sunnah salah? If we say it's a fard salah, it's definitely fard to do this. Because it's your fard. You have to, you know, if it's a sunnah, if your salah broke, it's not a big deal. You understand? But still out of respect for the salah, huh? out of respect for that salah, you should still do it. We still say you must still do it. Uh, out of respect for that salah and to teach this person that you that he has to respect the salah as well you should still block the person you know so don't stand and think as a sunnah to let him through no it's a, it's a salah it's between you and Allah it's a great act of worship you stop him for two reasons your salah and secondly to teach him to have respect for the salah so that person can think look I don't mess with someone in salah I gotta walk around if, if I can't walk around, I've got to wait. As we explained earlier, if you have to wait for 40 years, you wait for 40 years. It's better than breaking the salah. You understand? So there's a lesson in stopping people. Whether it's a fardu sunnah, you should do it. That's what the Prophet said. He didn't, he didn't specify fardu sunnah. So we say whether it's a fardu or a sunnah, you, you make sure that you put your hand there. And you should not be shy. If it's a 78-year-old man that's coming through, you stop him. If it's a 90-year-old woman, you stop her. You understand? The law of Allah comes first. It's not about respect, yeah, respecting the person and this and that. No, you stop them. And you stop them again. If they try and force their way through. If they force their way through and they swear at you, that's an old shaitan. You know, unfortunately. But at the end of the day, you can go explain to them if you, if you felt that that would be best. Say, so look, maaf, uncle. Buddha, auntie, whatever, you know, this is what I did. That's the teaching of Rasulullah There's no disrespect shown to you whatsoever. It's important also to have the correct manner, you know, in the way we teach and we give da'wah, etc. But, this is established in the sunnah, put your hand out to block or push. If they come through, you shove them. If they shove past you, let him go, that's a shaitan. Huh? Just let him, if he, I mean, if they still push past, and they push you out the way, you know he's a big shaitan. And you just let him go, 
and you carry on with the salah. Um, an issue here is, what if it's a lady? What if you're in the salah and a lady comes through, right? And we know you have to block her because she can break your salah. But the problem here is the touching of the woman, especially even the haram. You know, ladies walk by all the time. Makkah, you can't prevent it. So you're standing there, the lady wants to come through. And? Huh? You, she can't walk past you because you have to, you have to stop her. So the problem here is, what if you touch her? Or you touch her body, you end up pushing her, you're touching her, her body. You understand? Does this, can you be sinful for this? Does this have an effect on a person? It shouldn't have an effect on a person because you're in the salah. You understand? So inshallah you're safe from that type of fitna. Of, يعني, in terms of touching. But if you fear for the fitna, if you feel, look, I, I don't want to touch this woman, and I don't want to push this woman and, and shove this woman, because, uh, you know, it's, it's, she's a strange woman. You understand? Then what the, pan, what the man should do is, no, he should take a step forward. So instead of shoving her and pushing and touching her, he, he, he takes a step forward to, to block her way. You understand? Instead of touching her and pushing her and touching her, because if you're going to push somebody, you're going to end up touching their body. You understand? You're going to end up, I'm not, I don't want to use the word fondling, but you're going to, it's like a grope or, or not even a grope, but you get what I'm saying, man. You're gonna, you, your body hands going to end up on their body with force, and uh, it could be a fitna for somebody, you know, you could, uh, it could be a fitna for, for, for a, a male, there's no doubt about it. So, avoid that, you take a step forward. That would be best. I would say put the hand out, just out like this, without touching her, you just put your hand out to block, to show them. Hey, Salah, you gotta walk around me. And if they still want to come through, you take a step forward. As if to say, don't walk in front of me, walk rather behind me. You understand? But I wouldn't suggest you shove back on the woman. So I would say put the hand out initially to show that it's salah. If the person maybe realizes, oh, it's salah, they, they will know. If they don't take heed, you take a step forward as opposed to, to pushing with force um, and so forth, and Allah knows best. Tayyib. If somebody wants to walk in front of you, again, the issue of in front of you, what is considered as in front of you? You know, where does, where do you place that? We see it's on the place of sujood or just behind the place of sujood. So this would differ from person to person. You're extremely tall, to be a bit further away, a bit shorter, a bit nearby, um, and so forth, right? That is more or less where you will place the, the sajda. That is more or less, and this is considered if they walk in front of you, that in that space basically. If they walk behind that space or behind the sutra, inshallah, then there is no issue um, with that. There is no issue with that. Any questions on this hadith? I think we got one hadith left. From Abu Hurairah radiallahu anhu, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, إِذَا صَلَّى أَحَدُكُمْ فَلِيَجْعَلْ تِلْقَاءَ وَاجِهِ شَيْئًا If one of you makes salah, let him put something in front of him. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَجِدْ فَلِيَنْصِبْ عَصَى If he doesn't have anything, 
then he should put his stick in the ground. He should put a stick in the ground. Hmm? So it's something that's standing up in front of you. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَكُنْ خَطًا If he doesn't have a stick, can't find a stick, he should draw a line in the, st- in the sand. He should draw a line in the, in the sand. ثُمَّ لَا يَضُرُّهُ مَنْ مَرَّ بَيْنَ يَدَيْهِ Then he will not be harmed by that which walks, that which comes, that which passes by in front of him. To make it clear again, this is my area of salah. Like a musalli, like a sajjada. Like a sajjada. A musalli is someone who makes salah. Huh? A musalli is someone who makes salah. Okay. So initially what you should, what the best thing you can do is something that looks like a back of a saddle. That's the best size. Okay. You don't have, put a stick or an arrow or something upright. That people can see it standing up. If you don't have anything standing upright, at least draw a line. So you look, like if it's a sandy area, for example, makes around the beach, right? You got nothing with you, what do you do? Draw a line in front of you. You understand? That's the line. Nobody can come in front of that line, on the side of the line. Just to make it clear. You understand? Yeah, you don't even have to make a whole pattern. That's the thing. The sutra is just that line in front of you. Correct, but sometimes the mat, the mat in the masjid is a bit too big. Sometimes it's a bit too big. So sometimes they still, it depends on the, the, the design, I would say. Depends on the design. Sometimes it's a bit too long, sometimes it's not. Uh, benefits of this hadith, again instruction to put a sutra. Right? We discussed the issue of or sunnah. We said most likely it is mustahab, but it's highly recommended. I'm going to say highly recommended. Not just recommended, highly recommended. If you really have nothing, then don't, then, then fine. But otherwise, make sure you make salah towards a sutra. Make sure you make salah towards a sutra. Um, some ulama said, you only need a sutra if you fear somebody is going to walk in front of you. So if you don't have that worry, it's okay not to have a sutra. So let's say you walk into the masjid, there's nobody there, and you know there's nobody coming to the masjid. You can make salah in the middle of the masjid because you have no worry that anybody's going to walk in front of you. Ibn Uthaymin says this is a weak view. It's from the teaching of the Prophet to have a sutra. So take a sutra. Wherever you are, wherever you make salah, have a sutra in front of you. Um, also, another benefit here is at the daruj min al a'la ila al adna. There's a level, you know, from the best to the, to the, to the lowest. So the best is, like we said, the size of the back of a saddle. The lowest is the line in the sand. The line that you have in front of you. That's the lowest level of a sutra. Understand? If you have the big one, that's the best. It's more reward. If you go less and less and less, that's not as good. The same like wudu. If you make wudu once, like one wash for your mouth, one wash for your face, for your arms, it's good, it's accepted. But if you wash three times, it's better. You understand? Is a difference in the in the level that it comes with. The issue of the stick also he says from the Prophet used to use his walking stick at times as a as a sutra. He also used to use his walking stick as a um, as a sutra. Tayyib, 
a line here is also sufficient. That's another benefit of this hadith. But as we said, that's the lowest level. Right? That's the lowest level to have just a line um, in front of you. So some ulama said the line should be lengthwise from your feet up until your sujood. And some ulama said no, it should be, you know, not lengthwise, but like the width, basically just a line. What's the word? Is it perpendicular? What's the word? Um, horizontal. Yes, a horizontal line, right? And I think that's the correct view. Should have a horizontal line, not a a, a vertical or a straight line from your feet to the uh, place of uh, sujood. The last hadith, which is a quick one from Abu Sa'id al-Khudr radiallahu he said, "Qala Rasulullah la yaqda'u salat shay'un wadra'u mastata'tum." This is the weak hadith I was thinking of in Abu Dawood. He said, nothing breaks the salah. And you should push away anything as much as you can, basically. Shove anything as much as you can. Yani, anybody wants to walk in front of you, push them away. No matter whether they break the salah or not. So whether it's male or female, whatever it is, if anything comes in front of you, block it out, push it away, etc. Whether it's Breaks the salah or not. Although, as we said, this hadith is inauthentic. So we don't say what, the, what he said initially of um, nothing breaks the salah. We know there are things that break the salah. A woman, a donkey, and a black dog. And a black dog. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Are there any questions? Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashadu ala ilaha 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 ila